Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of DPH Clinical. I got the guys from CSI Colorado Surgical Institute with us today. And you guys just finished an all in X course. And I talk about that. Talk about the course because we're going to kind of, that's going to like segue into our topic that we're going to talk about some of the issues that some people were seeing in the all in X course and just common mistakes. But how did the course go? The course went insanely well. Like every course gets better and better. But this one was cool because we actually tied in IV sedation and the full arch course at the same time. So it's our alpha class with our IV sedation. We were sedating patients and teaching sedation. The full arch guys were kind of getting some of the sedation information. The sedation guys were getting some of the full arch information. And everything was really cool. We did, I don't know, like eight pterygoids also. Dr. Brisky and myself just doing that because some of the cases needed. So we did a lot of advanced procedures, some block grafts, lateral sinuses, pterygoids, full arch. I mean, you name it, we were doing it. And it was cool because I got to like use Presidex for the first time. And for those of you who are doing IV sedation and have used Presidex, it's awesome. And if you haven't used Presidex, we can definitely talk. You can always reach out to me after the fact and we can talk about how we kind of utilize it because I just saw so much stuff happening all at once. It was cool to see everything tied together. What's Presidex? I've never even heard of that. It's just a med that is super inexpensive. It keeps patients sedated and really calm when you start to get past that two and three hour mark. And you just give small little boluses, like little four mic, 10 mic boluses. And a lot of anesthesiologists will mix it with their propofol or kind of have different approaches. We can't do that, obviously, because we can't use propofol. But it's ways to get people really nice and chill for a long period of time. Now, you can go bradycardic on it. But if you're doing case selection, which we're going to talk about at one of the courses correctly, it's an amazing, amazing med. And Sean Custer, one of our mentors, literally texted me an hour ago, said he just started using Presidex also, and he did it on like eight wisdom two cases, and it was freaking awesome. Wow. What do you think, Brisky? How did the weekend go? It was my favorite course so far. We actually had the most doctors come just to observe, and we actually had some pretty talented docs come and just want to like check out what we're doing, learn some different tips and tricks on what we're doing in our own private practices and how to speed up what they're doing. They're interested in how we're tying block graphs in, interested to see me and Dune work because Dune and I both did an arch on Thursday. So I did an arch, Dune did an arch. And to everyone listening, I was 10 minutes faster than Dr. Dune. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go do pterygoids up top, so you got to count in my pterygoid time. We may or may have not needed them in the case, but Dune did them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good demonstration. Yeah. It was funny at the course. It was fun because we both got to do an arch. They got to see me and Dune with our like kind of like brother relationship, and they would call us like mom and dad. It was really funny because like uh, mom would come in and tell them something, then dad would come in and tell them something like five percent different. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was really fun it was actually one of the funnest courses we've had i think actually it is the funnest course i've had so far nice great to hear so like what were some uh common mistakes you guys mentioned some things that you saw and from the enrollees and things that you saw that happened that would be worthy of talking about like what were some do you want to start brisky because i know your answer What? what suturing suturing dude every single course i'm telling you every course we do one everyone's like yeah i got it i got the suturing right And every course, 90% of the doctors can't suture the arch. 
I mean, remember too, it, it is more complex thing, right? This is a full arch. There may not be used to having the entire flap open, right? Because if they're doing an arch, some people I see only make the incision line from maybe first molar to first molar. But when we're doing these, we do closer to third molar area, to third molar area. So it's a big flap. What I'll commonly see is on maxillas, when there's molar sites there, like first, second, third molars there, or for just first, second, that when they go to close the arch, that the tissue doesn't pull over and get primary closure. Like I see that all the time. And then every single person wanted to close it without closing the tissue. That was a little surprising to me. I've seen that very, very common. So every person that came got to see how to make more of a vertical release, how to do a periosteal release to close the tissue, and also use an instrument like a boozer elevator or a curette to aid in actually helping to close the vertical release even faster. Because Dune and I nowadays will just reach under the flop, grab it with the tissue forcep, scoop underneath it with our curette, and then it gets like 10 extra millimeters of vertical height. But then we close the, we close the case. So it'll take Dune and I now like 30 seconds to get the closure in the back. But the courses, they just never even spotted that. So I would kind of let people suture a little bit. And then I'll come back in the room and be like, hey, what are we going to do with that back area? It's all open. Then like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, why aren't we going to close it? We have to close it because there's implants around there, right? So very common to see posterior maxilla open because vertical release was not done to gain primary closure. Because the last thing you want is to have tissue that's not primary closed because you will get bacteria that can leak in there. You could have a distal implant fail. A lot of things can happen when you don't close the case completely. And even when we are suturing, I do notice when we're doing, let's say, a continuous or a Texas two-step suture, a lot of the time I would come back, I would show how to do one side, then I let them go do the other. I like literally walk them through the entire arch how I would suture. Like, hey, you put it here, you put it here, you put it here, all the way back around. But then when they do theirs, they're really close to it. But what I've noticed is a lot of people won't keep enough tension on the tissue. So I'll kind of come back in the room and I'll pull up from the palatal side and I can gain about like 15 millimeters of space if I just pull up on their suture. I'm like, ooh, that's not taut enough, right? So what's going to happen? Inflammation is going to happen. The arch is going to open up. And what we commonly see at post-ops, because Dr. Dude and myself, we do actually all the post-ops. And I think that's how we gain and we're hovering around 94% success rate in our classes because we know how to handle, we just know how to handle complications. We can spot a mile away, right? But what happens is if you don't suture correctly, you get inflammation, it opens up, right? And I see a lot of people post on a Facebook group and they say, hey, my arch opened up. Like, what do I do? And a lot of people will give the advice and they say, well, just let it granulate in, right? But what happens is if you let it granulate in, biology is now going to attack the implant, which means the implant's going to, or the bone's going to remodel down to where the bone is happy, right? So I'll commonly see two millimeters of bone loss around an implant because the sutures open up and then they, they didn't go back and suture the arch. So then that's how periimplantitis can attack an implant, right? So we try to always just really point out the common, common things that can go wrong, especially suturing, that's the biggest one. Even when we were in the Dental Success Summit this year, I had a 45-year-old man come up to me, and for everyone that's listening, I'm 35. <laughs> and he's like, Brisky, is it? And he was laughing because his wife was next to him. He's like, I remember that one time last year, and he's shaking his head. He's like, you came into my room, and you cut all my sutures out. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like picturing is like, I'm done. I feel so yeah. good. Hey, check it out. And you're like, it sucks. He was, so mad. he was like, dude, I was so mad when you did that to me. But then he was like, <laughs> after you walked me through how to do the parousal release and suture calculate, he was like, shit, it just clicked in my head. Now I'm doing that for every case. So he said, thank you. He said he was pissed at me, but then he said he was really thankful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bet it's like one of those like small things that we don't think about. And like, I'm guessing a lot of students arrive at this course and they want to be like, oh, no, I got this. I can do this. They want to you know, flex their chops a little bit and they just don't realize that it's a deficiency in their surgical skills. I would be leaving it open and I'm guessing you would cut out all my sutures as well. <laughs> And I'd be like, why? It's okay. I mean, it's better. Dude, we were done. Yeah. We were freaking uh-huh. done. And now we're not done because of yeah. you. And, and, and I were, were, when dude and I first met and we were doing a lot of arches together, we would actually, one would do the surgery and one would come suture for the other person. Because we would be so freaking tired. We're like, hey, dude, help a brother out. Suture this for me, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I think they focus so hard on doing the surgery that by the time they're to suturing, they're like just exhausted. Because it takes a while because you're teaching, educating, all of that. So you get to the end and it's just like, all right, let me just slap some of this shit together and see if it's going to hold. It's like, no, dude, you got to tie this sucker down and tie every bit of it down. So, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's just exhaustion. Yeah, I agree. And then mommy and daddy come in and cut your (laughs) 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 So what else did you notice besides just the suturing thing? That's something common mistake. A visualization of angulations. So people being able to visualize 17 degrees, 30 degrees, where to put the multis. Just, all right, so remember back in the DAT type of thing, like that perceptual bit, this is kind of where that comes into play, where it's like, all right, you see the arch, you see the lip profile, you see the patient's just facial features, if they're symmetric or asymmetric, and here's where everything falls into place when you're planning it all out. And in the beginning, I mean, dude, I would do it wrong all the time. I had to switch multi-units all the time. But you get some reps where you can kind of visualize the final product before. And so a lot of people had a hard time figuring out how to gauge the angles on how to do all their implants and how to place their multis. So an easy trick, like we have this out in every operatory, is just a bowling pencil. And you just draw on the bone. Draw everything. Draw it out. Have the patient's preoperative photography up have their high smile line up, have their CT up, have the measurements out. But then the way to get your implants angulated properly is to draw on the bone and just follow the line. Have your drill, just follow the line. And when we started explaining that conceptually to people, I think by the time they got to their like fifth or sixth implant, all that was clicking for them. You could see it. It's like the first two implants, they go super slow. And then I had one attendee, I walked in the room, he was kind of going a little slow in the beginning. I was like, dude, you got eight minutes to place these next two implants. And then I, he gave me a little shit. He thought I was like full, you know, like giving him a hard time. And I come back in six minutes, he has two implants placed. So it's just like, okay, it's just really conceptually knowing, hey, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then your hands will start doing what your brain tells it to do. People always ask me what type of marketing we do at the practice to see on average 165 new patients each and every month. And I always say the same thing, reviews. And more importantly, I rank high on Google. You may have heard me talk in the past about how my practice's website and Google search ranking has been the most beneficial element to my practice's growth. Well, I've been happily working with the same marketing person for the past four years, and now you can too. 
Relevance Online Marketing will take you from non-existence to the top of the pack using the revolutionary approach to SEO and pay-per-click advertising. No contracts, no BS, and only the results that you can take to the bank. So if you are looking for a marketing company that gives your practice the attention and care it deserves, look no further than Relevance Online Marketing. Mention Dental Practice Heroes and get your first month free, risk-free, with absolutely no obligations. Relevance Online Marketing will take your online marketing from zero to hero. Go to RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com and set up a demo today. That's RelevanceOnlineMarketing.com and gear up for some real practice growth. A lot of people will think, I'm going to place this implant at 17 degrees exactly because I want to put a 17 degree multi-unit on. That's like a big misconception. So if you're playing putting a lower implant in, your purpose of putting in a lower tilted implant in is to maximize your AP spread, right? So your angle, it will be different every time. It could be 10 degrees to like 40 degrees. You don't really know what it is, but it's not a specific angle, right? So your angle is determined by how far to maximize your AP spread or just how you're going to be avoiding the sinus. We found by, like Dr. June said, just marking it on the bone after you figure out where you're supposed to be aiming towards does help people try to really just picture that dimension when they're placing the implant. Yeah, totally agree. We also see a lot of people placing implants in the middle of the ridge rather than more lingualized. So I think commonly I would go in a room and I say, hey, where was that implant going? And then they'd be putting it in the middle of the ridge. I'm like, why are we doing that? Because if you place the implant in the middle, eventually it could go towards the buckle, then you have no buckle bone, right? So I commonly would go into the room and just make them bring the osteotomy more lingual before they started making the osteotomy bigger. That was a big one that I would see quite often in every room. Also, in the beginning of their cases, I do see a lot of people still not really understanding the records that you take before. We have a PowerPoint. It's very long. We do explain it before exactly what records to take too. But still, it's one of those things where it's really hard to visualize unless you really go to a course and you start going through case after case after case after case and then just seeing every case being planned like over and over and over and over and over and so you actually really kind of clicks in your head because when you're doing it digitally you have to have a few things you have to have the upper teeth you have to know where they are you have to know where the lower teeth are and you have to know where their bite is and their bite needs to be in the proper vertical dimension i can't be in their collapse dimension right so that means using a vdo gauge and opening the patient back up to where they're supposed to be and then giving that dimension to the computer designer. So that way you're spoon feeding all the things to the designer. You're giving them the upper teeth, the lower teeth, the bite, exactly where you want the bite to be and some pictures to show you them where you want the midline. So you have to spoon feed everything. Cause I see a lot of people say, Oh, you know, the designer is just going to open the teeth up. I was like, how, how are they going to open the teeth up? Mm-hmm. It's a hinge. The joint's a hinge. Like they don't know what just opening it means because that could mean now their bite could be way too far open in the front or way too far open in the back. It's it's impossible to guess it. So we've had really spot on arches this time on our, when we did our delivery day on Sunday, one of the best that we've ever had, actually. We only had one case that was off and that one case was off because the patient came with a denture, but the denture was fabricated around CO instead of CR. And the doc came up to me and said, hey, what do we do? Like, this bite is really messed up. Is it supposed to be that bad? And then I looked at him, I was like, it's bad because the denture was made wrong. 
<laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, aha, right? Like it clicked in his head. It's like, aha, I got it. So he was thinking it was us, like me or doing like we did something wrong. And we're like, nope, it was actually because the denture was made in CO instead of CR. And he was like, aha, okay. So all we did is we redesigned it and we're going to deliver it tomorrow. Yeah, that was actually a really beautiful denture. I was talking to the patient and it was like one of the most like cosmetically appealing dentures I've seen in a long time. We took it out and it had suction. Yeah, and it fit really good too. And the patient postured to that bite all the time. And then all of a sudden you give him a fixed set of teeth and you let CR take over. And yeah, he was so class too. One thing that I was thinking about is Versi was talking about angulation of the implants is there's a new screw that we're using. Uh, it's by Danny Dominguez. It's called like the LaViz. So L-A-V-I-S screw. And it can actually angulate and, and correct 15 degrees also. It's really an awesome screw. It ties down amazing. So that way, if you go like 40 degrees, you can upright it a little bit. If you go a little lingual, you can upright it buckly, so, and so on and so forth. To pull on that thread even further, a lot of people were over-constricting the arch when they place their multi-units. So we teach them to stay more lingual or palatal. They want their multi-unit to be straight up and down. You actually want to flare it out buckly. A lot of these patients have a form of apnea. And if you constrict the tongue and constrict the arch, you don't give the tongue anywhere to go when they desat and musculature is trying to get out of the airway. So a lot of people over-constricting the arch. So by flaring the multi-units a little bit, creating a bigger arch form in the upper, and then obviously making the lower to fit, you're creating more space for the patient to have airway issues uh, resolved, but also for phonetics and speech and so on and so forth. Yeah, because Paul, if you take like your face and your teeth all line up to one angle, what a lot of people will do is they see that angle and the implant is really poly placed, but they'll make the multi-unit come out perpendicular to the ridge. And when you do that, if you make it perpendicular, it's now coming out like a third of the way into the palate, if that makes sense, right? Or a third of the way into the tongue on the bottom. So we would commonly describe it as it needs to come out to where the center of the occlusion is, right? Or where the teeth used to be comes needs to come out the center of that. So we always would show people it doesn't, it's not perpendicular. It's actually like 10 to 20 degrees at an angle coming out. Then some of the people are like, aha, like, shit, I saw it, right? Like, man, they must have scored high on their DAT. (laughs) (laughs) But like a little tip like that, because your patient's going to be pissed if you give them a set of teeth and it's thick, like a bar of soap is what Dune would say. That's not comfortable. I don't like eating dial soap anymore. I no longer live at home and have my mom wash my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I had the same thing. They do that at your house too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back in the 80s, I knew what all the soap tasted like. Oh, Paul, do you like the bar soap or the liquid soap better when you get your mouth off? Oh, I've never had the liquid yeah. soap. It was always the it was bar always soap. The bar. It was just like you just kind of like put it in, you just had it in your mouth and you just kind of held it and you tried to think about something else and you tried not to like move your tongue. And Yeah, but it was totally worth it. It wasn't it was that totally bad. worth it. It wasn't you, that bad. You hear a word at school, you come home, <laughs> you drop it, and then you see yeah. your parents' reaction. And you're like, okay, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> this is how we're learning. Why yeah. are you supposed to get the bar of soap in the mouth if the word came from your parents? I know. Oh, <laughs> interesting concept. <laughs> yep. My daughter, my eight-year-old, she's at camp the other day, and I'm like, "How was camp?" And I'm like, "Did you guys like get to play in the creek again?" And she's like, "I did, but only for a little bit. I had to run inside." And I'm like, "You had to run for what?" She's like, "I just ran in there really quick, and I took a big dump." And came back. <laughs> and like, you took. <laughs> 
Like this eight year old girl. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? You took a big dump? Like, okay, good for you. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't use that. Where did you? I know where she heard it. <laughs> I know. know where she heard it too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So they're paying attention. Yeah. So talk about like you got your new building coming up. You didn't get to do this last course in the new building, but the next course is going to be in the new building. And tell the listeners what you got coming oh, up. Oh man! So the next course is in September. We may or may not have like one spot available. We had a call this morning about it. But either way, I mean, reach out. It's irregardless. This is our single implant or wisdom tooth course. And then we have a full arch course in November. And we got IV sedation happening at both of them. So at the September course, we got a lot of docs doing their live patient clinicals. And it's cool because we have two conference rooms in the basement. One can hold like 40 to 60 people. One can hold like 30 to 40 people. We got the full-on lab, three 3D printers, multiple mills, all the curing boxes and ovens and photogametry and designs and all of that. Like this, the lab is huge. It's freaking beautiful. And then you go upstairs, we got all the 18 operatories, big, big surgical rooms. We have TVs where you can cast the surgery to those TVs as well. So while we're doing the surgeries upstairs, IV is going to come through and be sedating patients and doing their thing. And RCRNA, who's quarterback in a lot of this, awesome guy. I mean, his name is Ryan literally one of the best CRNAs, one of like the kindest souls that I've come across in a long time. So I'm super excited to build this program with him too. So in September, November, last ones for the year. Paul, we'd love to give him on an episode if you're okay with that too. Yeah, yeah let's do it. That'd be great. One thing I want to say to anyone that's listening, at least anyone that's from Colorado, if you have any patients that have some floppy dentures and you would like to get them in for some implants, please let us know. We are looking for, I think it's about 15 or 20 more implants for the next course. We can find them, but we want to do some also some more full arch experiences for our doctors. So we would love a few referrals to save some of your patients from floppy dentures. So any Colorado docs, if you are making a denture and the patient can't afford implants, just hit us up and we'd be happy to put some implants in there. All we do is usually like a hundred bucks an implant or a small deposit so they actually show up to their appointment. But it's also a way for you to get some more experience with the conversion process of the snap indenture or just some more income if you're looking for more income or some Christmas presents coming up around the corner here because holidays are coming up. But hit us up if you guys need more. Frisky, it's still summertime, man. (laughs) It's already August. We're almost there. (laughs) We had someone from Oklahoma bring in a complication case. So the guy had four upper and four lower implants. All eight were failing. So he brought him into the course, and we actually, it was cool because we got to teach how to like repair a repair case during the course. It was hard enough where it made me sweat a little bit. Yeah, I bet, for sure. All right, thanks so much, guys. ColoradoSurgicalInstitute.com, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Dune from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout-out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries. We have lateral sinus lifts. We have block grafting courses all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogametry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling, you name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the Postgraduate Clinical Accelerator course where we are gonna be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on 
socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is